Hey everyone, welcome to episode 14 of the Antler Up podcast. I'm Jeremy Dinsmore, and Dimitri and I have Andrew Mills with the Honey Hole Game Calls on this week's show. Andrew is from right here in central Pennsylvania and is an avid turkey hunter and also creates his own game calls. In this episode, we talk about what Honey Hole Game Calls has to offer, tactics, and hunting strategies for calling in turkeys, hunting different species of turkeys, scouting, uh, and how you closed the deal on a PA gobbler. This was such a fun episode to record and be sure to check out to see what Andrew and the guys are doing with Honey Hole Game Calls. Fishing season has started here in PA, which means camping season's also on the horizon for families and, and individuals. If you are looking to get outdoors during this crazy time in the world, look no further than at Big Sky. Here you will find premium camping, fishing, and hunting gear that you can rent for a fraction of the retail price. Best of all, you can have the item shipped to where you are or where you are planning your trip for. Check out what Big Sky has to offer on their website at bigskyrent.com and use their co our code ANTLERUP10 to save some money. Turkey season is going to be less than three weeks away, and I'm going to be creating some turkey darts, aka some Easton 6.5 AccuCarbon arrows this week. And on the other end for my broadhead, I'll be using the Sever 2.1 TI. Uh, check over on our website under our partners and you will see a link straight to the Sever uh, website. Go over there, pick some up of the best all-around broadheads on the market. They fly straight, they're durable, and they cut massive holes. Use code SEVERFREESHIP for a limited time to get some free shipping. If you are looking for the perfect time to get a brand new set of bowstrings, now is the time. You don't have to worry about hunting season rush coming up. Um, so if you are in this market for some new strings, check out America's Best Bowstrings. I have a brand new set of Platinum Series strings on the Matthews VXR28 and love everything about them from the custom color to the, to the performance. The technology and quality of these strings are what stands out the most. The Platinum Series strings now come with a two-year warranty, and the Premium Series come with a one-year warranty. Regardless of what series strings you buy, you are still getting the same unmatched quality and performance. So check them out over at americasbestbowstrings.com. A favorite piece of first light gear that I own is the Phantom Leafy Suit Top. This top is built for those of us who want to simply disappear uh, when we get close into the quarry. The Phantom 3D Leafy Jacket is a leafy concealment piece in both Fusion or Set Cipher that allows us to, to be the very best in 3D camouflage. I'll be wearing this this spring as I go after some gobblers, so check out this piece over at firstlight.com. Again, thank you everybody for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's show uh, with Andrew. Uh, such, I love that he's local. I love that he's from PA. He's creating his own things, just had a passion of love for the outdoors and turkey hunting. So again, that's just, uh, it was just such a great conversation. I, I found it very helpful for me, um, being that this is the first spring in a long time that I'll be able to get out turkey hunting just because I've always coaching baseball for the last couple of years. Um, so, Hey, let me know what you think of the episode. Uh, just again, thank you everybody that's been supporting, uh, that's been following along, purchasing some merch. Uh, we have some cool shirts in, in the production and the design process right now that'll be coming out here in the next couple months. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please, uh, follow along, leave a comment, leave a, uh, a review on whatever platform that you're using. We're on Bodpeen now. So check that out. Um, so again, we really appreciate the support till next time. Antler up.
Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's show of Antler Up Podcast. And today on the other line is Andrew Mills with Honey Hole Game Calls. And we're excited to have you on, Andrew, today. Thank you, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys reaching out to me. Awesome. Now we, we're excited being that, uh, you know, you're local for us and, you know, spring gobbler season's on the horizon here in PA. So I think this is perfect timing. And I know, like we were just saying before we went live, how you'll be heading out to di some different states coming up. So we grabbed you right in the, the nick of time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm planning on heading out uh, on Wednesday here, coming up and uh, hitting up Tennessee and West Virginia. Awesome. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, Everything goes smooth with the traveling and everything right now. That's awesome. Well, I know our, our buddy Tim, who was on our show uh, with Dimitri and I earlier on in, in the year, I know he was down in Tennessee and uh, South Carolina as well. So he, he's been all over. And I know his Nebraska hunt got kind of postponed or put on the back burner with everything going on right now. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's I, crazy. I've heard that Nebraska quit selling uh, license to non-residents. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, well. Uh, before we get into it, Andrew, do you want to just tell us who you are, where you're coming from, and how you got into hunting? Sure. Yeah, I uh, I grew up in uh, Clearfield County in, in the rainy area, and uh, I, I started hunting with uh, my father from a young age and just kind of um, met a group of guys that we, uh, we started taking turkey hunting pretty serious and traveling around to several states and Actually, last year we ended up going down to Mexico and we uh, we killed our our golds. So a lot of them, a lot of the guys I hunt with, uh, there's three of them. Um, and we we all were successful in Mexico, and all of them had completed their royal slam. Uh, and I actually am the only one that hasn't yet because I haven't been down to Florida yet for the Osceola. So hopefully that's in the near future. But, uh, yeah, we, we just travel around and, uh, and, uh, just from states, we'll pick out a couple states every year and go hunt some public ground and do some door knocking. That's how we basically got started. That's really, really cool. And that's, uh, you know, something where I, it's out of our, your pure passion. And I know, you know, I could speak for Mike and Dimitri, uh, you know, this whole thing with our and with antler up, it's just, you know, we wanted to do something for our pure passion for the outdoors hunting and connecting with people like you and, um, you know, like what, how that ends up being something that it just pulls it together where it's just a love of, of what we do. And, you know, you're, you're, exactly. a, you know, you, you have a full-time job and kids and Dimitri, same thing, full-time job and a child and same here on, on our end, uh, on my end. And mm -hmm. it's just, I love that we just follow that passion and, and, um, you know, we all have that same drive to, to just kind of help educate and put something out there that we're passionate about with the outdoors. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, that's what it's all about is getting out there and having fun doing it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Now we were talking about like growing up with your dad hunting at a very young age and where did the transition? Cause I, yeah, you hear awesome stories of people going from, you know, I'm, I'm a diehard bear hunter. I'm a diehard, you know, turkey guy or, or deer. When did things kind of switch for you that you just love and get going after that spring, spring gobbler? So, yeah, I, I was probably 18 and I'm big into archery hunting and I'm also big into spring gobbler hunting. And my dad and I, I actually had missed this, this gobbler, uh, and I was hunting by myself that day. And then my dad was off on the weekend and 
I got the opportunity to hunt with them that morning, and I killed the biggest gobbler that I had ever had the opportunity at at that time. And from that second on, from calling that gobbler in, dealing with him, and uh, I got hooked immediately, uh, even even more so than I was. And my father, he's always been a big, big turkey hunter, and he he had attended some uh, uh, seminars that Denny Gallus had put on. So he he was pretty big into it um, back in his earlier days, and he's still big into it now. But I think he just enjoys the fact that how passionate you know, I am about it and just, we enjoy each other's company and have a good time in the woods. So it's really a good time. Uh, and that, that's basically, I think where my transition from being a passionate hunter of everything started to evolve into, uh, a more, more of a serious turkey hunter and, uh, everything else. But I still enjoy my archery hunting. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> I, I, I don't travel around the country doing that like do turkey that's for sure that's pretty pretty cool and i know like dimitri i mean you could even talk about it i love hearing you know we were out scouting a couple of weeks ago with your dad and you know you guys were both chatting about like you came across this one spot when you were out turkey hunting and vice versa right yeah you know growing up it was a little bit different for us i think where some people are diehard turkey hunters and then there's some people that just kind of love hunting. So in the spring when there's no, no deer hunting, I think that's something that they really like to get outside and do. And that's, that's what it was a little bit more for us. We just wanted to get out there and obviously we were passionate about trying to kill a turkey, but you know, a lot of the times we were kind of just walking around and especially if we didn't hear anything in the morning and did a little bit more deer scouting as we were walking through the woods than we were actually real serious about turkey hunting at the time right well i'll say this like for myself i'm i'm so excited for this year for turkey just for the sole fact this could be the first time in years that i've been able to get out more than two times um you know i you know i coach varsity baseball and i've been doing that for the last six years and um and coaching other sports in the spring for seven or eight now so my my spring gobbler time has been very small and um you know so i'm thinking back when i was a kid and like i mentioned earlier my dad is just a passionate turkey hunter he's a passionate hunter in general but i know he loves going out turkey hunting and uh you know when i was a kid and when the one time I was with him and, uh, he got a shot and he got a really nice bird. And I, I wouldn't say I was hooked, but I've, I was like, wow, this is really cool. I want to do more of it. But then as I grew older and, uh, baseball kind of took over and all that stuff. So my time in the woods chasing turkeys has, has, is not what it, you know, it normally, I guess for a diehard hunter would, you could say it is, but I'm so excited to, to get out this, this spring. And, you know, and I'm, I, that's why I'm happy to, pick your brain on brain on here, Andrew, because it's going to be helping the newbie get, get going and hopefully bag, bag a, a nice Turkey this year. Absolutely. Well, I awesome. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, we're going to dive into a little bit more and a few topics that I want to cover. I definitely want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, honey hole game calls and we'll talk about some hunting strategies, especially for Turkey here in Pennsylvania, uh, and, and kind of see where it goes. Does that sound good, man? Absolutely. Awesome. Well, let's dive in a little bit more about the honey hole game calls a little bit. And, um, you know, we talked about how it's just a passion of yours and some buddies, you know, can you talk us through how that all started for you guys? Sure. Um, I think I, I'm basically the one that started pushing it. Uh, I, 
I uh, wanted something to do after turkey season ended. Uh, I still felt that uh, the, I needed to do something. And and uh, I know after the season, I'm you're, t- you're tired. If, it, if uh, you're a passionate turkey hunter, you get up every morning that you get the chance for the opportunity to hunt. And it, it's, it's early and you're walking miles upon miles. And I, I just don't get tired of it. And uh, after the season ended, I'd still be going out listening at for the, the uh, attempt to call in and kill gobblers after season. And, and what I decided to start doing was I, I had made calls on like little jigs that I had that were not by any means uh, industrial, but just for personal use. And I decided that I wanted to try to get a a industrial press and that measures the tension and um, and once I started to uh, tinker with that, I started getting on to some pretty good calls and I handed them out to my friends Tony and, and Tyler that are in the business with me and they started using them and so yeah, these ones are good calls. So what we did was I would only replicate calls um, after they would say, I'd get a nod from all of them that, yeah, this is a good one. And then I'd hand them out to a couple more people and, and get their thoughts that I, if, they, if I knew they were turkey hunters, I'd say, hey, here, try this, see what you think of that. And once I got feedback from everybody that, yeah, that's a good call, I'd start reproducing it. And that's kind of how it all got started. And uh, we're just passionate people that want to spread our product. Um, we, we'd just be honored more or less that somebody was successful with something that we created and and try to help other people be passionate about it. So that's kind of how we all got started. Now, now, did you start making mouth calls? Was your first calls that you started with? Yes, yes. Um, that's that's pretty much our our roots right there. Is we're all the three of us that started this. We're, we we mainly use the mouth calls, and then we did expand into uh, making some slate and uh, glass uh, pot calls as well. But those are are our main calls, I would say, are the mouth calls for now. Yeah. That's pretty cool, because I know for myself, like I said, being that I'm I'm super green when it comes to turkey calling, uh, I messaged Dimitri, was it today or yesterday, that I was like, dude, I'm terrible <laughs> with some mouth calls. Yeah, now. it was yesterday. Yeah, and, and I know, like, um, and that's why, too, I went on, Andrew, and I was like, I got to pick something else, and I was talking to my dad. He's like, yeah, just find a two-read one and all that stuff, so that's why I picked one up from you, and um, I'm anxious to <laughs> give, give, give that one a try, so hopefully... Uh, we can, I can hone in on my skills and next time, sure. next time Dimitri and I go out scouting, I'll bring it with me and kind of just get some practice in and get some tips from him. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And and the goal, my goal was, I couldn't tell you how many times I bought calls and I'm not going to knock any, any brand of call by any means, but, but it's, I would probably buy, I would just say, for an example, a hundred dollars worth of calls and I'd use one or one or two of them. And I'm, I'm a picky, I guess, caller because I can't use just any call. I, it had to be user friendly for me because I could, I would get inconsistency with the mouth call. I wouldn't get 
same tone every time. So I feel that the, the calls I was, I'm producing are more user friendly to get a more consistent sound, uh, which I think is more going to be more successful for people. And that could help me out. <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope it does. I, I really do. That 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 was my goal was was to uh, get it for the beginner, but also the experienced person. I mean, I'm getting good feedback from guys that have been hunting turkey their whole lives, the older older gentlemen, and and getting good feedback that it's a really it's a really good product, which is just so rewarding for me. That that that's my main goal is just to have people be successful with something that we created so it's pretty exciting this is our first year doing it so i can't wait to see the success pictures and everything coming up this spring yeah and i know uh with me there it took me a long time to get pretty good with the mouse call with lots of practice and i know there's a different cuts in the reeds that i can work better for me than sure. with some of the other ones that uh, I thought I'd be able to use that I totally could not get the tone or the pitch down that I wanted. Now, can you explain a little bit of the different cuts in the reeds and, and you know, how that goes into effect into the call? Absolutely. Um, it seems to be like you'll have different, different reeds. So there's usually either a two reed call or a three reed call, four reed call. And then, there's also different tensions on those reeds and the different cuts. It's just uh, the tighter, the latex, the higher pitch you're probably going to get. And then also there's different size reeds and latex as well. So the different combinations, I mean, it is tricky. I ha I couldn't tell you how many mouth calls that I made prior to getting one good one good call that I think what I think good anyway, but I, I bet you I had weeks before I I fixed, started figuring out different combinations, and you could have the same reads and same cut but different tension, and it it sounds totally different. So it's it's a lot of homework going into it. That's for sure, and you have to be patient with it. Yeah, I know. With with when it gets close to turkey season, I always throw mine in my car and anytime I'm driving to work or driving home from work, I'll throw that thing into my mouth and try to make, you know, practice a little bit with it. And sure. I know it makes, I know it makes my wife pretty sick when she's driving with me uh, and uh, we're doing turkey calls for 30 to 40 <laughs> minutes when we're driving in the car. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure my wife thinks she lives with a turkey. So <laughs> uh, she, she, she feels her pain for sure. I, I think yeah, what's yeah. funny what's funny is my dad he'll tell the story before they built their house my they uh my dad and my stepmom they lived in a uh, little apartment and he would would do the same thing just practice calling and you know here it is it's just like a two bedroom little apartment and he's probably just cutting and doing all kinds of stuff <laughs> and she's like really could you get out of here you know so that's kind of funny yeah absolutely I'm sure the the neighbors probably liked it too. Yeah. Well, that's what, uh, <laughs> between Turkey call and practice in here and for Dimitri and I, we're heading out West to, uh, in August to go chase some mule deer and some elk. And I, we we're laughing because about trying our elk calls out too. So I'll be, hopefully by then I can do a, a good, uh, I can practice and I'll know how to, to do a, a mouth call for, for a cow for elk hunting now. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. 
that's going to be my goal here after uh, after spring gobbler season. I made a couple elk calls for uh, some guys that went out last. My brother-in-law and a couple of his buddies went out to Colorado last year hunting elk, and I made them some cow calls, and uh, they said they were pretty good. So I'm going to tinker with that a little bit more and try to fine tune some stuff after turkey season. And I have to give you some. Awesome, that'd be great. And hopefully, be successful with them. Well, you know, looking at it, uh, Andrew, talking strategies, and I know Dimitri has a has a good uh, questions coming up that he wants to ask, and I want to ask as well. And one of them is like right now, you know, if, if diehard deer hunters, they're going out, they're scouting, and it's a big deal during this time, you know. And for 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 me being new to turkey, what are some scouting tips and or tricks that I should look at as far as like sign, as far as terrain goes? Like, what could help me? Um, as if scouting for some turkey here in the next couple of weeks before it starts. Sure. Uh, basically, I what I do, and I started back in early February, starting to go out. And now I didn't hear much gobbling until uh, beginning of March. I started hearing them gobble, and I go out first thing in the morning. Tomorrow morning, I'll be out bright and early, and I try to hit different spots and just basically hear them on the roost uh put put a lot of miles on uh look for fresh scratching where they've been feeding uh look for droppings where they might be roosting uh and basically just try to be at a a spot where you you can hear a a long ways right now if you you're unfamiliar with where turkeys have lived in the past in the spring because you haven't got out a whole lot i would say go to a place where you could hear a long ways and then move in closer to get hone in on where maybe that gobbler might be roosting so you can get on them first thing in the morning because a lot of times gobblers will roost in a relatively the same area i mean that's not always the case but that's that's pretty uh that's a pretty good safe bet, though, that it will be somewhere close by for the most part, as long as it's not. Well, this time they should be. Uh, they should be in the same area. They're not getting pressured a whole lot or pushed out of an area because of hunting. So that that would be my number one recommendation right now is get out there somewhere where you can hear a long ways and then start putting in the legwork, walking around and looking for the sign as far as where they're feeding and and scratching and. I would say that's a pretty good start for you. Now, going off of scouting, especially most of the time you're going to have to do this when you're going out of state or even in state, are you using any electronic mapping to look at or looking for terrain features that you may want to hit that area more than another, especially if when you're going out of state and not able to put your foot on the ground and do a little scouting? Right. Now, this is my partner in the in the business tony tony howe he is he's the man when it comes to this so I, we use onyx onyx app or maps and uh he is really good at getting on a computer also and getting on google maps as well and what he does is he tries to figure out basically what looks like good turkey train to him where there might be uh, a source of water where they the turkey can get to, uh, you know, in the mornings or in, in the evenings. Um, where if it's like out in Nebraska, where there's tree lines, uh, 
because there's a lot of fields out in Nebraska. So if you can find a creek in a tree line, it's a pretty safe bet there's, you're going to find some turkey roosting in that area. And and he is he, he puts his homework in. So I, I kind of leave it all up to him when it comes time to going out of state. He usually puts us in a in a pretty good area that we're 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 listening and hearing birds right away. But it, it, it it's hard because you don't get much time to get out there and scout. So the first couple of days are a scouting mission for us, but we're also hunting, so it it can vary. You can have great you don't really know what to expect. You can have a a great hunt or you can you may not hear anything. Kind of a toss up. Now are those each bird species that you're hunting, do they act similar in their patterns or are you seeing different species are acting differently, especially off the roost or uh feeding patterns? Sure. I think whenever I've hunted Merriams uh in Wyoming and South Dakota, I've noticed that they are more vocal and they uh they can put some miles on and they can get from one place to another very quickly. And as far as Rios, I think they they act similar to an eastern. And I haven't got to I haven't got the opportunity to hunt the Osceola yet, but I think here um it if you can hunt an eastern you can you can pretty much you can hunt a, a turkey anywhere and, and and there's a lot of hunting pressure here in Pennsylvania so if, as long as you're in an area in another state um that has turkey I, I think you can be pretty successful that's really cool because i know for you know right now i've been like binge watching all the hunting publics videos they have on about turkey hunting and they're down in alabama and stuff and i'm just trying to but in years past the past two years when they do their turkey tour i've i've watched it but not really honed in on anything that they're really doing just because i know i'm not getting out much and it's kind of you know trying to get out whenever i can and just like you said i'm just putting on miles and and just trying to listen for for some some birds um but now with what my opportunity is that I have basically all made to go out there. I'm like, okay, what, what are some things I need to hone in on? So I'm like scrambling now and kind of kicking myself a little bit. Um, so, but like you were saying about now with pressure, um, that's something where, you know, I, I've listened to some other podcasts in the past, whether it be about Turkey and everything like that, it changes the game a little bit now for a, what could be, when would you say it's good to continue to call or when is it bad to, or like, when do I need to stop and maybe try to put, put something like a running gun style uh, game plan together? Right. I, to be honest, I think sometimes less is more. And I start out with less and try to fill out what I think that gobbler or if he has hens with them, what they what they are doing and how they're reacting to my calling. So a lot of times I'll start out with some yelps and a few cuts maybe. And if they're responding to that, I kind of just stick with that. If I, if I feel the, the, the hens are maybe taking the gobbler away, uh, I might start, you know, getting more aggressive with my calling and, See if that uh, fires up the hen to maybe want to come in and, and have a battle with me. 
and drag that gobbler along with her. I just try to feel, I, I think the approach of calling less, especially for a beginner, would be, uh, I think it would be more successful and, uh, than calling a whole lot or, or trying to call aggressive right, away, right out of the gate. I, I just recommend trying to fill out the bird that you're working and uh, see, see how they react to your calling at first. Right. And that's something too, like how you were saying of like, which kind of call are you doing and you know, how are they, um, how are they responding back to you? I know that's something that, you know, I've been learning as, as a couple of times that I've gone out, uh, trying to do now, Dimitri, could you talk about even like for your situation, like how, what you've, uh, experienced as far as that goes? Yeah. You know, I, I, I was more of a slate guy myself, uh, growing up, like I, did, I couldn't get the, mouth called down at a younger age. So the slate was a little bit easier for me to make, you know, get the, the difference between the yelps and the cuts. And, and, but I think with going to a mouth call, you can be a little bit more dynamic in, in what you're using and, and trying to mimic a little bit more of a, a, the turkey sound. And let's take a quick break and thank our partners over at Cobra Archery. I've been getting a lot of questions about what my archery setup has been as far as my release goes. Well, I'm using the brand new Cobra Archery Harvester release. And what I love about this release is the total adjustability it has with the UTS, the Unified Trigger System. Um, this allows the, the um, thumb release to change length, angle, rotation of the thumb trigger. Uh, and you can do that quickly and securely and into position with just one screw. There's also where you put your third finger now, you could take that out and you could use it as a two finger release. Um, so you could, again, adjust it to your liking. You could check this release out over at irondecoy.com. Well, and now Andrew, like for this one, you know, is for you like talking about we are in the unfortunate situation where what our, our first couple of weeks were done hunting at noon. And sure. could you talk about the difference between like when it switches for you? Because I think too, you know, I've always heard people say by the time our season starts here, like we're middle of the, you know, the breeding season basically and all that type of stuff. And the, like the good time is just either ending when we're starting or, you know, you hear all that, all kinds of different things. So for, sure. coming, for, coming from that, how do you go about, either scout it like how do you scout differently when it becomes a morning compared to when you're able to go out all day because i know obviously you know if you're able to scout later on you watch where they roost you know do you watch where they roost so then the next day in the morning you know kind of what area they're in at and that's where you're kind of targeting like could you talk a little bit about that aspect of things sure uh now other states where we have hunted and they're they're in all day uh, you can hunt them all day long. We try to get in in the evening in where we we think that they're going to be going to roost, and it's it's similar to in the morning. Uh, a lot of times, you know, it just depends on the gobbler. Obviously, uh, the gobblers are for the most part. I'm not saying every gobbler, but in every situation, but for the most part, they're going to be more vocal in the morning. So, I kind of take the approach in the evening of more contentment calls, maybe feeding calls. And then if I strike a bird or uh, I, I try to, again, fill them out. If You'll find a hot gobbler from time to time in the evening ready to ready to come in and, and do, it, 
you know, what you're, you're hoping that he does, but it's more of a, more of a contentment game. I would say at that point for me, starting out that way anyway, and uh, trying to hone in on maybe where you think that gobbler might be going or want to get to for uh, going to roost. Nice. Now, how aggressive when you're setting up, so maybe whether it's morning or afternoon or midday, you hear a gobbler, is there a difference with the how aggressive or how close you're going to set up on a bird or you kind of, uh, like to stay back a little bit and try to call them to you. Is there a difference between any of those situations? Every, I would say every situation is a little bit different due to how that bird's acting and the terrain where you're at. But I, I'm more of an aggressive hunter, and I'll try to get in as close as I can in the morning if I can if I can do so. Um, but every situation's a little bit different. If I if I feel that I might, if there's other like hens or gobblers or in the area, and I might get busted trying to sneak in close, I'll, I'll set up back more and try to work it from that standpoint. But I would say more often than not, I'm going to try to get in close to that gobbler and and just do some light tree yelps and uh, wait. Once he, I know he's heard them or he responds to them. It's kind of a waiting game. I don't call a whole lot after that. I kind of wait for him to fly down, and then then I'll start getting a little bit more aggressive as far as calling it, as far as yelping, and then filling him out to see what his next move is. And that's the same strategy you would if he was already, saying midday on the ground already as well? If he's midday on the yeah, I, I try to get as close as I can, but with that being said, uh, if I if he's the only game in town, as far as if I'm not hearing a whole lot, and that's the only go- gobbler that I've heard all day long, I'm going to be a little more reserved, and I'm going to kind of sit back, set up a little bit further back maybe. I don't want to get busted because uh, I got too aggressive in my setup. I'm going to stay back and and. and try to work them from that standpoint and then if i'll fill him out and if he depending on what move he makes next i might try sneaking in a little bit more it it all depends it's all i best thing i can say is try to just feel what that gobbler is trying to, to do or try to get to where he wants to be because if you can get if you can figure out where a gobbler wants to be you're going to kill that gobbler more than likely yeah, I know there's been a lot of times where I either sat back too far and wasn't able to bring them in, or I thought I wasn't as close as I was and kind of spooked them. Now, if there was a beginner that kind of didn't know how close or how far away, is there a yardage that you could maybe give a beginner to kind of educate him on, you know, Sure. get close but it's too close or too far away where you won't be able to call that bird in the, the closer you can be the better but you got to be more cautious in the early season with less leaves on and uh, less foliage you, you kind of you don't want to you don't want to screw screw the gobbler up and uh, ruin your hunt on that specific bird but I try to get in as close as I can and and feel comfortable about not spooking that gobbler but for a 
a beginner, as far as yardage, I don't know. It just depends on terrain. It, if it's flat and, it, and there's no it's the early season, you're going to want to stay back maybe 200 yards or 150 yards, just depending how how well you can see at that time of the year. More foliage, you have a little bit more to work with, a little bit more cover, and you can sneak in a little bit closer. That's really good stuff. I mean, that's, I mean, for me, I'm like writing stuff down right now. So that's phenomenal stuff all between the two of you guys. And, um, you know, I do know, like I purchased like two years ago, a, a couple of decoys and everything like that. And I know just from years past growing up chasing on turkeys in the mountain, we never really set up any decoys. Um, and is there a time where Andrew, that you use deco- decoys if you do at all, or, um, like how do you use those, um, and does that change throughout the season if you do? Sure. I, I'll be honest. I don't – it's rare that I use them. I have a hand, a handful of them, and I could probably count on two hands how many times I've ever used decoys in my entire hunting career. So it's not very often that I use them. I, I recommend if you're going to use them, uh, like in an open area, like a field where they can be seen. I, like you said, with a mountain – uh, and, and different uh, cover and, and leaves and vegetation. A lot of times, I, the gobblers don't even see that unless you can create some movement by maybe hooking a fishing line or something onto a decoy where you could get it to move a little bit to catch your gobbler's eye. But don't. It's just something else I feel I have to carry, and I'm already lugging around enough enough equipment and guns and and everything that I uh, I don't really use them and. They they have their time and their place where they they work and and they're they're a great great uh, asset to the hunt. But for me, I, it's just something else I have to carry. But I, I I don't knock anybody for using them. They they can be a great tool. That's for sure. Right. And I do know, like for me, like I'm, I'm a diehard bow hunter and, um, you know, I've, I've said to Dimitri where we've hunt some behind, like in his property, uh, on that backs up against us on private and, um, public land. I said, Hey, I want to throw out just a blind just so I could test my hand, like on a day, just go out with the bow. And I know I'll be, now that I do have more time, I'll be using uh, a shotgun to going as well. And so I got to practice shooting that a little bit coming up here soon. And you talk, you know, you hear the term run and gun hunting and you hear that, you know, during, mm-hmm. during mobile season for, for, for deer. And, and I know that happens as well for turkey season. Can you talk a little bit about that approach for turkey and then, you know, how, and how that could be helpful for getting you on a turkey here in PA, especially with like, sure. you know, especially to like how we talked about a little bit earlier, the pressure and, you know, when could you be right. a little bit more relaxed? Like you said, kind of wait when you know that you're, you're nearby by a gobbler compared to like, I need to make a move. Sure. I'm more of a, I, I would consider myself a running gun gunner for the about two thirds of our hunting season here in Pennsylvania. And the reason I say that is it just seems like the, the gobblers are more active and uh, I will, I will move on a bird in early season and try to be more aggressive with my tactics as far as if I can move in closer or even calling. I, I, my calling is a lot more, seems to be typically a lot more aggressive than the early season. Now, with that being said, that last third of the season, whenever the gobblers might not be quite as vocal and have been hunted for a couple weeks, my I take a more reserved uh, approach. If I hear a gobbler that's 
is responding to me, I'll wait on them and uh, I'll sit at a tree for a couple hours if I have to and just make contentment calls. Just uh, again, uh, you try to fill out that gobbler and what he wants to hear. But I think definitely in the later season, a more reserved uh, approach could be uh, is a lot of times more beneficial in being a running gunner. Uh, compared to the early season. We talk a lot about hand-up gobblers and trying to call them in. Do you have any tactics or anything that you do that maybe it's switching calls or or uh, moving or anything that kind of can get that gobbler away from those hens or uh, ways that you try calling the hen in to have the gobbler follow up her into you? Sure. I mean, it is a tough task. Uh, sometimes you're just not going to be able to pull a gobbler from the hens, and you're not going to get those hens to to respond to you at all. They'll take the gobbler in the opposite direction. Um, but some, if I'm working a hen and she's responding to me, I, I think it's best to almost mimic kind of what she's saying. So if she's yelping and cutting a few times, I'm going to do the same. If she's mad and she's cutting at me, going to cut back at her because she's looking she might be looking for a fight and break, pull that golf right into you um as far as uh if the hen's taking them away i try to get around on the gobbler and maybe maybe take a uh, more of a silent approach or you know rake leaves and purr and, and just cluck a little bit and it, i try to as far as if the gobbler is responding to me and he's, I'll, I'll be more aggressive with my calling. If I know he's with a hen, but he's really responding to me, I'll get more aggressive because he might think, well, I'm going after that hen. It's, it sounds a little bit more interested right now. So I'll get more, I'll definitely get more aggressive with my calling and cutting and, and yelping. And if I, if I think I have that gobbler's attention over, the hens that he's with. That's good stuff. And I think too, for, for me, uh, the one thing that I'm, I'm getting out of this and I really like is that you really got to go off of the bird that you hear, you know, like, yeah, you were saying, Andrew, like it's depending on what it wants to hear and what it might want to go after. Um, and that's something too, that compared to what's totally different, I guess it'd, it'd be the same almost about for chasing an elk. Um, but it, and a little bit in the sense of for deer. Absolutely. Yeah. It's for me, I'm filling out that bird. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what he wants to hear or if he's with hens, I'm trying to figure out what I can do to them to, to get them, whether it be um, like Dimitri said, switching up calls. I, well, a lot of times if I think there's a, a, a group of hens with this gobbler, I'm going to, I'm going to pull a couple of mouth calls out and set them on my lap and, and kind of run through them. So I sound like a flock of turkey and I'll rake some leaves and, and, and try to make it seem like, Oh wow, there's another group of turkey over there. Let's go join up with them. And, and, and that works. I mean, it, it just, it depends on, on those turkey and you kind of have to, you have to try to figure out what they want. And it, that's why I say start out with it slow and easy and, and you can amp it up at any time, but sometimes if you amp it up right away, those, those turkeys they'll go silent on you, and you won't hear them anymore, and you won't be able to judge, you know, what they want to hear at that point. Right. 
No, that's good stuff. Now, here's one I'm just thinking of in my head, um, just because I know, you know Dimitri and I will be social distancing as we go, probably hunting together <laughs> here, and and you know we'll be trying to film and put it up on a channel. What are ways sure. like when you go with your buddies um, out hunting? How what could you say are some like maybe tips for us that we could use since like we'll the two of us will be going together and you know maybe one you know if Dimitri's up and he's you know, behind the barrel and I'll be behind the camera, basically. What are some things that you could offer, you know, for individuals that are kind of going as a tandem? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's a really beneficial thing is having somebody else hunting with you and you can sound, you can have conversations between you and your partner at the same exact time and just make it that more realistic that there's more than one turkey at the same time you can if a, if a gobbler's hanging up on you and staying out of range you can have you know your, your buddy get behind you in 20 30 yards and lure that gobbler into maybe shooting range for the, the shooter because he's he's listening to that bird that's another you know 30 yards and thinks that, you know, he, he, where he was hanging up at like 60 yards, now he's within 30 or 40 yards of the, the, the gunner. So it, it's very beneficial to have two hunters. That's for sure. Two callers. And, uh, you just try to figure out what that bird wants to hear. If he wants to hear a bunch of squawking and carrying on, then that's what, that's what you got to do. But he's being more reserved. Maybe you want to have somebody fall back and uh, start working them to try to get them in the gun range. What do you think is the, the biggest mistake most turkey hunters make, whether, you know, something you learned in the past or seen other people doing, but what is, what is one of the biggest mistakes most people make? I think I see two things, and, and you know, I learned from experience the hard way, uh, calling too much while the bird is still on the limb. That... Uh, a lot of times that gobbler is going to uh, kind of wait for that excited hen to come to him. I mean, that's a lot of times how that works in, in nature is when that hen's ready, she's going to him. And that's not the case all the time, but that seems to be rule of thumb. I, I kind of call light, let them know that I'm, I'm there. And then if I, he goes silent or something, I might, for 10 minutes or so, I might give him another just to make sure he knows, oh, yeah, yep, that's what I heard, or yep, I'm still here, or get that acknowledgement from him. But also, uh, just calling too much in general. I think I've screwed up on gobblers because I didn't try to listen what they wanted to hear and, and fill them out, you know. That's the biggest thing is, is just listening when you hear, you know, it's the little things. Figure out where that gobbler wants to be. If you can figure out where a gobbler wants to be, you're gonna you're gonna probably stand a pretty good chance, even if you're not that good of a caller, uh, of killing that bird. So that would be my my biggest thing is try to just figure out where he wants to be, and also uh, just taking a more reserved approach, at least at first. That's good. What are we talked about earlier using Onyx maps? And I know something that's where Dimitri is always doing homework regarding on his Onyx app here. And I've been doing a little bit more and, and uh, checking some things different out. And you hear about like this, like the strutting stages, like where some of the toms are going out strutting. What are 
things that you're looking for or throwing up trail cameras and finding like the roost, what are some key things like in like specifically looking for those two areas, like the roost and the staging area for strutting? Right. I'll try to find, uh, obviously where they're, the roost is big trees or a water source. I mean, a, a gobbler is going to need water at some point. And I'll try to find areas that, like ridge lines or something that I think, okay, the gobbler is going to want to sh- strut in this area. If you can find fresh scratching, that's, that's key because those, those birds have fed there or they might make that, that might be their home. You're right in their kitchen, more or less. So that's what I try to look for is just areas where there's turkey sign, uh, whether it be footprints or, or turkey poop. I mean, every, anything. It's, uh, scratching. Their uh, drag marks in the mud where they a gobbler was strutting. Anything like that goes in in that realm of that's what you're looking for. Right, right. And for the last break of today, let's talk about our guests from last week, Sean Lutz over at Stoker Eye Stabilizer. I hope you guys enjoyed that last week's episode, and we talked about which stabilizer I'm using. I'm using that M1, the new micro diameter uh, stabilizer. It's that one piece, so it's the SS1, where I'm able to have um, weight in the front as well as weight in the back, but the simplicity of it just being one bar, I love it. Uh, you know, so the bow feels perfectly balanced at full draw. And again, just the zero vibration, it just o- improves the bow overall for accuracy, the hold, everything. Uh, proudly made in the USA. Check them out. Uh, check out the new M1 series over at stokerized.com. Now, do you set up any trail cams at all during like while you're scouting or seeing anything? Do you use them at all? You know, I don't. And I have some out right now and, and I'm getting in turkey on them. I, I really don't, for whatever reason, I've never really associated turkey hunting really with trail cameras, and that's more of my <laughs> my deer hunting and, and archery hunting. Comes July and August, you bet I have a camera out until muzzle litter season's over. But <laughs> right. uh, I've never really, I've never really done it as far as with turkey. I, I kind of know for a general area usually where some gobblers are going to be every year. And I, I just always go back and I listen and, and, and I, like tomorrow morning, I'll be out at, at daylight listening somewhere to make sure uh, that gobblers were, or where I've heard them in the past or try to find new areas. And, and like I said, I'll, I'll try to get up on a hill somewhere where I can listen a long ways and kind of hone in on where a gobbler might be roosting. And then I'll go back, you know, days after and see, okay, yeah, he's still here no he moved over to this ridge or so it's it's a it's a it's a game that's for sure it's it's a sickness is what i have (laughs) yeah that's awesome and my wife uh, i don't know she probably just wants to murder me at this time of the year but (laughs) i'm telling you i just get hooked and and i can't wait to start hopefully putting gobblers on the ground and i cannot wait to see with uh people have success with some stuff that we created this year i just i'm so excited talk a little bit about weapon choice or what gauge because a lot of people you know do i need a 12 gauge 20 gauge we talked 410 um maybe talk a little bit about what you use and maybe a little bit of what you know you would suggest to some other people out there what what weapon of choice they should make sure you know, 
I just highly recommend that people know what kind of patterns they're shooting with their guns. Any gun can take I, I'll tell you what, my oldest daughter, uh, this is, she's going to be able to hunt with me this year. She got her mentor youth tag. So I'm super excited for youth day here. But I got her, her a 410, one of those Stephen uh, 301s. And with that TSS shot that they're making right now, yep. those, those, uh, I, she could kill a gobbler at 40 yards with that thing. Wow. And it's just incredible, uh, the pattern that they're getting now. And I, I use a, uh, a 12 gauge and it's a tri-star with a rhino choke. And I actually was having trouble with getting, holding good patterns. And I tired of just constantly patterning and buying chokes and buying, uh, shells so what i did was did a little research that and found that rhino choke tubes uh kind of endorsed and did the homework for you and they and i they were associated with these tri-star guns and they guaranteed you so many bbs within a 10 inch circle at 40 yards so that's kind of where i ended up going with and it's it's been a great gun for me and but you can kill them with a 410 you can kill them with a, a 12 gauge 20 gauge but the biggest thing is just know what you're shooting. I mean, as far as patterning, you got to do your homework. Don't be, can't be well in, you know, 40 yard shots and you, you might not have a good pattern if you didn't do your homework. That's, that's for sure. All you're going to do is injure the bird or, you know, completely miss and ruin your chances. But with this, this type of ammo that they're making nowadays, it, it's insane. And I have TSS for, my 12 gauge, but I've been using uh, maglens with heavy shot and had a lot of success with them. I'm, I'm holding great patterns with it, with this Rhino choke tube and this TriStar 12 gauge. Um, and yeah, I'm I, shooting the three and a half inch shells out of that. Yeah, I know the Stevens, I did a lot of uh, research on them when they first came out, and you can't beat the patterns that those are producing. And especially how light they are and the price. I think they're what one ninety nine. Yeah, I, I, picked, I picked one up at the local store, and it's. I think I got. I walked out of there with one hundred and seventy five dollars or something like that. It's, it's yeah. they're great little guns. It's a single shot, but and I, I, I bought a red dot for it, so she's she's already. She's been shooting it here at the house and. She's a good little shot, so hopefully, hopefully we can get one in her wheelhouse here on Youth Day. That'd be awesome. And yeah, and this is the first, this is the first year uh, I'm going to be starting to do my own filming, like you guys said earlier. You're going to try doing it. That's kind of a new new thing for me. I I've filmed a little bit in the past. Tried to film. I have a couple of our hunts with uh, Tyler and Tony on there, and. Uh, there, I got to do a lot of homework on this. It's not just uh, push and play on a, you know, the record button on a camera. And <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, what's funny is Dimitri with his camera arm breaking as he go, goes up in the tree and he shoots his buck. I get set up and deer are already under me. I don't even have time to get my camera arm set up on the tree. And I know you're looking up for a turkey. It's like, oh, you got people are using uh, camouflage netting and all kinds of stuff like for their tripod and stuff. So I just, uh, Dimitri, I ordered some today on Amazon. So we'll be good to go, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's going to be a whole different ball game for me. Cause I, I want to be able to, it, for two reasons, I really wanted to film this year. And, and, and a lot of it is for memories. I mean, you, 
there's so many times that I've talked about hunts I've had with my dad or hunts I've had with Tony or Tyler or, or a couple other buddies that I've hunted with. And you can tell the story, but and then to, to see it will be so much more, uh, you, you know, you can put, put it, uh, you'd be able to see it compared to, uh, just hearing about it. So I, that, and also to, to help promote our calls and hear, hear how, at least how we sound on them and, and different, and how, what kind of reactions we're getting from gobblers. And, and maybe people would pick up tactics that we're using and being successful with or mistakes that we've made that, okay, yeah, don't want to do that again. So. Right. Right now, and that's yeah. one thing too. And I mean, for us, I love it. It, I know, I you you, and I love it for now. Maybe four or five years from now, I'm gonna be like, darn it, that kind of ruined my shot of of getting a turkey or getting a deer on on camera and all that stuff. But like, even for myself, like I told, I went into this hunting season saying I'm not going to let that dictate if I shoot or or not. You know, and you hear right. all these guys that are getting paid and this is what they're doing for a living. They're like, well, I didn't shoot because I didn't have shooting light or I didn't have it. The camera guy wasn't on it. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to let that ruin, right. you know what I mean? That type of ordeal. Exactly. But, um, right. Hey man, that'd be sweet if you get it done and you know, for your daughter. And I mean, that, what a memory she'll have and you'll have together. I know that's something where, you know, I, I wrote an article on our, on our website where, you know, hi, hunting hindsight's 2020 because, Growing up, you know, I've said this before on the podcast and, and on Instagram where, you know, I grew up, I loved it and hunting and just getting out there. And then as a young man, I just, you know, things change, whether it's sports and girls and friends and everything else in college. But now it's like, man, during those times, that's what I needed, you know, and if you're, sure. if your daughter has that memory and going out for that first time and, you know, being successful with, with you, I mean, man, that's the one thing that for this year, like I'll never forget that you know, one, not only did I get the buck that, that I shot this past year back at home and, but like what had my dad be able to come up after work, like after work and night shift and like recover the buck with me, you know, that's just, uh, Absolutely. you know, I'm, I'll be 33 this, this, you know, summer. And that's, I felt like I was 12 years old all over again. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. It's just creating those memories and, and, I had a similar experience where my brother actually shot his first longbeard last year and my dad and me and my brother, we were all hunting together and I just wish that, you know, I could have captured that on, on film, you know, and, I, and that's kind of motivated me for creating the memories from now on trying to capture as much as I can of it on film anyway. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Well, hey, man, what do you want to talk about before we get off just real quick? What plans you do have coming sure. up? We talked about next week. You'll be traveling a little bit. You know, what do you have going on uh, for this spring? Yeah, I'm planning on heading to uh, Tennessee and West Virginia. And with the whole virus thing going on, we original plans were to head to Arkansas, Missouri, but that didn't work out. Uh, Arkansas kind of put the kibosh to uh, – motels and rental just like rental houses and stuff like that so our plan right now is we're going to head to tennessee uh, on wednesday and hunt there for four or five days and then head to west virginia so we we hunted tennessee last year before we went to mexico and uh it, we hunted uh three i think only three days there but we ended up killing four gobblers so we, we did well and we're headed to a different part of Tennessee. We've never been there. So Tony's been scouting because I feel bad for him. We 
changed our plan so many times that he, he did the scouting for Arkansas and Missouri <laughs> and that, that went, that fell through. Right. And then we thought, okay, we're going to go to Ohio when Ohio fell through. And now we're, <laughs> as of two days ago, headed to Tennessee and West Virginia. So he, he's been uh, diligently uh, trying to do his homework. That's awesome. Well, I, I mean, that's, it's just the it's the right time, and you get after after all the turkeys, man. And and I hope we hope you have success. And um, you know, where else could people learn more about you? Your your website, Instagram, all that stuff. Yeah, so we, I have a, a Facebook page, Hunting uh, Game Goals, and then uh, an Instagram page as well. Uh, and then uh, the website, www.huntingholegamecalls.com. Nice and. Uh, trying to update that as as much as we can um and it, we're just in the beginning phases of this so uh we're, we're planning on adding to it and like i said getting some footage and that getting some videos on the website and everything this upcoming spring so hopefully big big plans in place for the future here that's awesome man that's the that's the pull the goal and that's the dream and uh you know best of luck to that and i uh, want to thank you again for coming on we really appreciate it man I thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate you reaching out to us and, and, and uh, getting us on here. Anytime, man. Well, thank you so much. Best of luck. And we're looking forward to using some honey hole game calls this spring and hopefully putting some gobblers down and we'll send you some footage and have some fun, man. That'd be great. I hope you guys do. That's, uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, no problem, Andrew. Well, thank you. Uh, and everybody, thank you for listening. Till next time, Antler Up. Well, that wraps up this latest episode of the Antler Up podcast. What a great episode. Andrew, man, thank you for taking the time to talk about your game calls, turkey hunting. I learned a lot from it. I hope some of our listeners did as well. Um, Again, everybody, thank you so much for the support. Best of luck in your fishing uh, as well as your turkey hunting for whatever you got going on this spring. Hopefully you're staying safe uh, and your family are, are, are as well. So again, thank you so much, everybody, for the support. We appreciate it. Check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com. Check us out. We're putting up some new videos on our YouTube channel. Make sure you guys uh, smash that like button, hit that subscribe button. Uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, It goes a long way and it means a lot to us here. And uh, thank you again for listening. Till next time, antler up. And be sure to check out honeyholegamecalls.com.